Welcome to EQ Minds Recharge Your Mental Health Podcast. I'm Chelsea Pottinger, the host of this show, and it's such a pleasure to welcome Kathy Burke to our show today. So for 20 years, Kathy was a CEO of the Hunger Project and then Global Vice President working to end hunger across South Asia and Africa. Kathy was an integral member of a visionary team who developed leadership at scale in villages all over the world. Through this work, millions of the world's poorest people stepped into their power able to feed themselves and their families. Kathy now brings this experience to help people and organisations lead to address 21st century challenges. Now, I met Kathy at a Business Chicks event, and since then I've uncovered that in her early 20s, she ran a nightclub in WA. I still can't believe, Kathy, that you ran a nightclub. In my early 20s, I used to work in a nightclub and ran it in Miami for Usher and P. Diddy. And as we said on Instagram, maybe the ones with the CD beginnings go on and do something with their lives. So it's with great excitement that I welcome you, Kathy, to our show today. Hi, Chelsea. It's good to be here. You were, I can hear the birds tweeting away there in the hinterlands. How lucky are we where we live? I know. They can be pretty raucous. So just as well, we don't have rain coming because otherwise there'd be so many black cockatoos coming through squawking like the characters and crazy birds that they are but it's it's quite quiet at the moment (laughs) so Kathy you're an incredible human being and you've gathered lessons from remote and rural villages across the globe a mindset reset is the first place to go to address difficulties and challenges and to create something unique and important in the world that is one of your quotes why is our mindset so powerful and I think the timing of this podcast couldn't be better while we're going through COVID right now yeah, absolutely. People are more getting switched on to mindset is a mindset work is a need to have, not a nice to have at the moment. Essentially, I mean, mindsets are the lens through which we view the world. And I can have a pink lens and see the world as pink and you have a blue, see the world as blue. But the world itself is essentially unchanged. It's just how we see, see life. And if we don't sort of dig into what is the lens through which I'm viewing a situation? We're constantly then dealing with the situation at the external level, just fighting fires, sort of like the little boy sort of putting his, his hands in the holes in the dike to try and stop the water from coming in. It's exhausting. It's overwhelming. We never feel we can keep up with it. It feels like it's too much for us. And we keep looking for these external technical fixes. And what the power of working with mindset is, is it actually has us see what, what are some of the unconscious beliefs and assumptions are driving my decision, driving the reactions that I'm having. And when I start to understand what they are, I can start to then make different choices as to how I deal with the situation that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And how they formed in the first place, like, is it from when we're children? And if so, are we actually able to break free from those past beliefs and learn to adopt what they call as this growth mindset? Yeah, well, the research that has been done by Carol Dweck and now by, she's a the professor at Stanford Uni and, and now been corroborated hundreds and hundreds of times, do show that mindsets can be changed. And now neuroplasticity is showing us that to be true as well. So we can actually change our mindsets and our belief. And just an example is you may believe that I can't, I'd like to go for that promotion, but I'm not confident or I don't, I'm not charismatic enough to speak. I look foolish. So that, that's a mindset that stops us from getting in the way. And often we can look back through childhood to that time when you put your hand up for, you know, to, 
sing or to do something and you're laughed at or you're rejected. And, and over time, we start to find evidence for how we're not enough, we're not good enough. If we try to stick our neck out, we'll fail, we'll ridicule. And that then becomes a mindset that when are leading teams, but we don't want to show our vulnerability or we don't want to take on a risky move because it'll fail or we don't want we stick in our lane because we don't we don't want to be judged and these are all iterations of mindset so they are triggered from a young age we then collect evidence for our point of view over time and then it gets to be the thing that runs the show so but they can be changed with by questioning them you first need to be able to see them and then you question them so I'll give you an example Chelsea. so I wrote a book, Unlikely Leaders, and you know, I was really, I was really quite psyched about this book. I was, you know, I was motivated. I wanted to do it, but I kept procrastinating. I wasn't writing it. I was online. Then I was busy. I was running a large organisation. Had lots of excuses and stories as to why it wasn't happening. And I could have tried to now fix my problem through. I just need to be better at time management. I just need to be. You know, I need a spreadsheet or this or that. But that wouldn't be wouldn't help the issue because actually what was getting in my way was mindset and how I realized that and this is what your listeners can do if you're seeing something that you're wanting to do but you're being blocked around it one way is to say I'd really like to dot 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 for me it was I'd really love to write a great book but and then often what follows the but is your mindset is your limiting belief and sometimes it can be really surprising so for me it was but that only happens to other people. Only other people write good books. And I was like, I looked at, I was writing this down with my pen and I was just like, I was floored. Going, what? What? Like, do I? And I could see actually that I did have this mindset, even though I was accomplished and everything, but I was still at some level wheezy, asthmatic, one of seven, poor Kathy, daggy Kathy from Perth, who looked sort of always on the outside looking in, wishing that we, wishing that I, you know, other people had their own bedroom, other people had parents that were okay, other people had, you know, whatever. And so I had this underlying mindset that somehow other people could achieve and, and I couldn't. And that was actually the blocker in the way of me writing my book. Now, the thing with mindset work, it isn't like, oh, right, I've had that incredible, you know, insight, now I'm just going to steam it away. It's Mindset change is very deep and, and I call it, it really hits a very tender part of us. And sometimes it really does take resting into it, being with it, acknowledging it, loving that Kathy that came up with this mindset over time to protect myself. And then questioning it. Is it true that I can't write a good book? Well, who knows? Because I've never written one before. So no, probably not. And just finding ways to rigorously interact with my mindset so it starts to loosen its grip on me so I'm then able to take actions more in the in line with my commitment rather than in line with my fear. Yeah, that's great. So they so having that sentence there, you know, writing it down what your limiting belief is and then write but so you uncover what that is. And then what's the next step after that? Is it yet? You know, with Dr. Carol Dweck's work, she says cap the sentence with a yet. So I can't write a book but, you know, because everyone else can write a book except for me. And if you say, I can't write a book yet, however, if I do this, this and this, I can or I will. It depends on how, how glommed on your mindset is. So, for instance, a woman in a village, and this is where I really learned this from, who has definitely a mindset that she can't make changes in her community, 
She feels deserted by God. She was married young. She's poor. She's malnourished. She's non-literate. So all of, all of that is very, you know, absolutely would have a mindset of, I can't be that person who can make any impact in my life or in my village. And so adding yet to that may be a helpful little prop, but true mindset change, because you could go, yet, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily impact that fundamental belief that I'm not enough or I can't do it. And so the way around that is to question it is, is am I not enough? Maybe yes, but can, have other people been able to take action? You start to challenge this notion that someone in your condition can't achieve what you want to achieve and you find evident, other evidence, competing evidence for that. You start to pay little, do little experiments. So some women would put aside a fistful of dry rice, Chelsea, and use that as over time they'd collected and they'd use then as a kitty to, to buy a hen to start their way into economic independence. Being able to challenge your mindset and taking that little step that risks that risks so much, but 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 it can give you some also some data as to whether your belief is true or not, and then you realise, oh, okay, I can do that, and so what's my next step? And so we start small with small steps. So for me, with writing, write for ten minutes, Kathy, <laughs> and give yourself a lolly afterwards or something. Do you know? Right? I, it's not about having the realisation that I'm then going to write my opus or. A woman in a village is then going to, you know, sweep through broad changes. No, it often starts with just questioning this tender part of myself that believes I can't do this, or I'm not worthy of this, or I'm not capable of this, and then finding ways to disprove that assumption. I love that. So it's the challenging the limiting belief, then taking the smallest step that you can, so taking these forward steps, and which will then entail you building up some of your self-belief and and self-efficacy and which I think is really important you know there's a lot of people out there that do have self-doubt you know even yourself you know you've written a very successful book you are this incredible human being and even before you wrote your book you had self-doubt and I think sometimes these tools with how they can reset their mindset are really helpful is there any other ways to build up you know from your experience of being in these villages I mean that's an incredible story this you know handful of rice to start their first step to, you know, have this economic sort of turnaround in their village. How else were you seeing in these rural villages of them building their own self-belief and self-efficacy? Well, it's it's being able to liberate your resourcefulness from within yourself, but also from within your community. So so this isn't something that you do on your own. You well, sometimes you can do it on your own if it's a, if you've got a belief that you don't want to exercise because you don't have time, you can question that. But to to create like large change in your organisation, large change in your community, it isn't just you. It can start with you. You can be the key, but it's about being able to mobilise others around a shared vision to be able to to be on that same path with you. And to see that path, I love the African proverb, I'm not sure which country it came from, but and who knows where it originated, but it's I build the road and the road builds me. So it's understanding that this change when we work together, I'm going to be changed in taking that action and that result will change me as well. It's like this sort of this sort of way of supporting yourself internally and externally. That may be a little bit too too esoteric, but but a practical way, Chelsea, is, and this is something that you're a huge advocate of as well, and this is being able to bring ourselves present to this particular moment. So 
and particularly now now where we're we're feeling a sense of feeling either immobilized by sort of fear and concern or we start catastrophizing sorts of drama about what's going to happen and we're just churning in this in these mindsets and the best way to, to move ourselves out of it is to recognize where we are right now and to stop and stopping can be three breaths just just to stop and three breaths I'm very kinesthetic so I like to feel like I'm sitting on a chair I like to feel the back of my thigh pressing against the chair I like to feel my feet in my socks my sometimes when I'm waiting for something you know when we used to travel I'd be at the carousel waiting for my luggage and I'd feel the handbag on my shoulder and I'd be present to that moment so when we find ways to stop it could be looking out the window for 30 seconds one minute it starts to dial down those hormones that start flaring with with worry and upset and catastrophizing and things that can start to then give us that space to then choose, imagine, visualize where we next want to go and then start to actualize that and achieve it. And it's that moment of choice and recognition that's really key to being able to change any mindset. Oh, I like that. That's great. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Chili Technology. Even though winter is here, we still need a cool body core temperature to have great sleep efficiency and deep REM. An easy way to get our body core temp down is by using an Aula from Chili Technology. You just slip it over your mattress, switch it on, set your temperature, and you're away. They even come in single, so you can set your own temperature, since partners often like to sleep at different temperatures. To get a great night's sleep and 15% off, head to eqminds.com forward slash podcast and use the code eqminds15 for the ULA system. Something that I learned from Dr. Brene Brown was around for people who are struggling, I think their mindset or, or even just with their self-belief around finding what their strengths are, you know, that people find it really hard with that question, you know, what do you think your strengths are? And Brene Brown in her in one of her books, and I've seen her speak before, she talks about you know, developing this square squad where you write down one or two people's names whose opinions truly matter. You know, these are the people that love you, they respect you, they're going to tell you honestly, and you literally just give them a call. It would usually be my mum, you know, or my brother or my sister. Hey, what do you think of my strengths are? You know, I'm trying to, I'm, this is hard for me to ask you this, but what do you think are my strengths? And I think sometimes when people get so stuck where they can't see their own strengths or have their own self-belief, Sometimes just listen to your squad around you. And you talked about, you know, this community being really strong and being really helpful around in these rural villages. And I think that's a nice space to be in as well, to help people take those steps forward, to have a little tribe around you that rallies behind you and that can, you know, you can lean on each other. But you brought up something really interesting there, Kathy, around these mindful moments. And I know you are a meditator. And you have so much on your plate. You're writing a couple of books. You're still doing a whole bunch of workshops and Zoom speaking for the corporate world. And you are this calm swan. Like when I saw you at Business Chicks and just before when we spoke together and I was going to ask, you know, what do you do for your mental health and well-being? What are the things that help you stay calm and in the moment? Well, meditation actually can be, just even the word can be really overwhelming and so I, I remember Chelsea when I first went to meditate. I, I did TM, right? Transcendental meditation. I was in my early 30s. Sorry, my early 20s, but I'm not that old. And 
I used to run a nightclub. At that point, I was working in federal politics. I'd helped run a successful election campaign and I'd co-written the constitution for the Green Par- Greens Party, which she then moved into. And and I I had the attention span of a gnat, basically. And I remember when I meditated, because you learn TM's like 20 minutes twice a day, right? But I remember I did my first minute. It was like, what? I was just so happy. And I just thought, wow, if it could happen to me, and I just, because I'd been doing politics on the side whilst in this nightclub, and I used to tour rock and roll bands as well. And it was like, wow, that one minute. And so, and then I built it up to, to 20 minutes twice a day through doing TM. But I just want to encourage like all of your listeners not to be, like even the word meditation, it's like whatever is going to like have you be stilled and be present, even for a minute, that's amazing. Like that has absolute benefits. It's thrilling when you do it. <laughs> you can always build from there if you want, like then extend it by 20 seconds or, or, or you know, by longer. But yeah, I just really want to encourage being able to, like even starting with one minute. And I know you've got lots of resources around that because I'm like the Pantene commercial from like years ago where, you know, won't happen overnight, but it will happen. My fabulousness. <laughs> and that's truth in meditation. Yeah, that is so true. That is so true. And other mindful things that you do, obviously writing your book, you're in the flow there. Oh, I don't know. Like I, I'm very, one of the mindful things do I do? I keep my life fairly uncluttered. I actually am now able to do that with my adult children. But even when they were little, I have very strong boundaries Chelsea so if I had more than one thing on on a weekend I'd feel like the stress and the pressure so having so having said I've got boundaries that's to have a lot of unstructured time so that whatever arises to me in the moment I felt then free to do and it was in, for particularly people who are listening to this who which is pretty much everyone who's had very very structured from the time you wake up almost to the time you go to sleep with lots of different demands to try and find just even parts that you can take in your week where you don't have anything that you have to do accomplish be stop for meditating is just to be able to do nothing actually is when often our biggest insights come up although that's not why you're doing it but it just starts to help us decompress and it just helps with being more present more happy more more I don't know so I just think have some put the boundaries up so you're not saying yes to lots of stuff and at the moment you know this is sort of being enforced for us when life resumes to to make sure you have time where there's no expectations of you at all even as half an hour once a week I think is actually really important to for focus and mindfulness. That's fantastic and we're the same with our boundaries and making sure that we have unstructured time to play you know time to play with our and things where we just wake up on Sundays and not have technology on and these little tools that really help. And as I was saying before, we're both kind of loving being in isolation because even though everyone assumes that we're extroverted, we're actually quite introverts. So I'm happy in Gerringong right now, not getting overcommitted with our dinner parties and coffee dates and everything like that. Kat, you are such an inspiration on so many levels and you're so humble. I always love listening to you because you're so authentic and humble and just so down to earth and that's why... I was really grateful that you came on our podcast today. Where do people find you? I know you, what you're about to release with your book will be phenomenal. Oh, my God. My colleague, my, my co, co-conspirator in Bangladesh, Kaji Mings, is so, buddy, how's it going? Because one of my books is about how you create a whole social movement for change by 
unleashing the power of everyday people, particularly women. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, shit, no, no pressure. So where to find me is kathyburke.com, and that's B-U-R-K-E.com. And I also write a weekly sort of leadership, practical leadership blog that you can subscribe for. It's free. You subscribe for, subscribe to on that if you're interested. And yeah, I'm pretty available if you yeah, want to reach out and chat or whatever. That's all good. That's excellent, Kathy. And how about your Instagram page? Do you want people following you over there or? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I should probably do something, especially if people like little videos of walking in a subtropical rainforest with a glorious rescue dog and me throwing sticks. And please join me on Instagram as well. But LinkedIn is definitely the, the probably the best place. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time today, Kathy. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. To continue on your calm journey, I really encourage you to download a free ebook on how to live a calmer life. Simply head to eqminds.com to receive your free copy. And if you're in a really good mood, please feel free to give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the podcast and then together we can help other people with their mental health and well-being. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with us. And we'll see you again in a week. This podcast is for information purposes only. Any advice is not a substitute for medical guidance. Any use of information contained in this podcast is used at the user's own risk.